Hello, friends. Welcome to today's episode on the Fulfillment Project Podcast. I am your host, Sarah, and I have my right-hand woman here, Greer. Hello. Hello. Hey. We haven't recorded a podcast in a couple of weeks, and we are coming off of the Easter long weekend. Greer, how was your weekend? I know both of us have kind of had some low capacity the past couple of weeks. So what have you been doing to revitalize yourself? Nothing. Uh, as in, I've been doing nothing, and that's been quite revitalizing for me. Yes. That um, can be hard sometimes, can it? It can be really hard, especially when, uh, you know, you, you could be doing work. Yes. <laughs> when there are things that you could be doing, there's always that possibility, and it, it does take a little bit of discipline uh, to not do it and to fully relax and put work mode in the off position completely. We were actually talking about this before we hit record that, you know, even if you're someone who works from home or especially, you know, business owners or people who commission their own work, and if you work from your laptop, the work can always be there and your laptop is always in your home. And sometimes it's allowing the the guilt to be put aside for you to be able to relax. And I even have this conversation with like moms and like mom guilt. And there's something about this need there or this feeling that we always need to be doing something or producing or working constantly and giving ourselves those moments of space can sometimes be the hardest. Absolutely. Um, and like you said, when you do work from home and the work is always there and you can always like, oh, maybe I'll just sneak in one more hour thinking that you're going to get ahead when really recovering adequately allows you to work better and more efficiently later and you would actually be doing yourself a disservice mm. oh my god it took me years to actually learn that because sometimes you think well if i just like work for like an hour today it's just just an hour but it's a state that you have to put yourself into it's a different way of thinking your brain needs to work differently there is a lot of like mental power that's taken from there and i have learned that taking space and i mean i love going off grid so i'm not even like able to contact or touch my phone or do anything it's so revitalizing when you can take complete space and feel like you have no ties to you and cut what i call those like umbilical cords of all the things that need your attention and priority so is that what you did this weekend? Oh, yeah. Yeah. We went up north. Joe's family is eight hours north of Toronto, which is northern Quebec, actually. It's four hours north of North Bay, if anybody knows that at all. And so it wasn't off grid, but I was telling you before we hit record, I was like, I went three days without plugging my phone in because I didn't touch my phone and I still had a quarter of a battery when I plugged it in. I didn't need to, but I just thought I would. And so it's it's nice when we have those moments to get away and not be on our phone and sink into the moment. And the days always just seem longer and spread out. And there's just more, more space. And it's not just that physical space. It's the emotional space. It's the mental space. It's just, oh, it, there's still a lot of snow up there. I was telling you this as well. We went snowmobile, <laughs> we went snowmobiling, but it was, you know, really warm here in uh, the Toronto region and it's starting to warm up up there. So it was like 10 degrees, but there was so much snow and it was sunny and we were snowmobiling and in the forest. And I've been explaining it as magical. I love how you sort of like drove back into winter. And then when you came back home, it's like 20 degree weather now. Yeah, I know we were driving and we didn't get snow till kind of about like North Bay ish. We started seeing the snow and I was like, oh, my goodness, there's still so much snow up here. 
and then driving back. Yeah, I actually had turned the AC on as we were driving back and I was watching the the temperature outside go up, go up, go up. And I think we went from like five degrees to 22 degrees within a couple hours of driving. So it was just cool to see that contrast. Yeah. Today, we want to chat about daily practices for feeling your best. And Greg and I were going back and forth on what we wanted to put in this podcast and how we wanted to deliver this. And this isn't a conversation that we want to have about here's the five things that you need to do today to feel your best, but more so what Greer and I do in terms of self-awareness, in terms of some of the practices that we enjoy for specific situations and give you the listener that self-awareness to develop the tools for your own tool belt. This is kind of how we explain it for the Sisterhood of Program that we run is let's develop self-awareness and let's teach a bunch of tools so that when you get to learn yourself, you get to understand which tool you need in which moment for what you need, depending on the state that you're in. Because I believe we all want to feel our best. And that is even a very subjective thing to say. So Greer, I want, before we dive into this, let me pose to you, and I'm going to put you on the spot here. <laughs> I can love this. I love out. this for me. Yeah. So when I say feeling your best, what does that mean to you? Like, how would you describe what your best feels like? Oh goodness. That is such a hard question. Mm. Um, our listeners probably don't know, but I do struggle with my health. Uh, in in various capacities. So for me, feeling my best is less of this optimal state of wellness and more of a decrease of symptomology. And my symptoms as, you know, health in general operates on, on a spectrum. And so when I, when I was like, hey, am I feeling my best? Where on that spectrum do I sit? How much am I able to do that day? And how, how engaged in my life can I be? And obviously the more engaged, the the better I'm feeling. Yeah. I like that you use that word engaged because I know for myself when I feel my health going down, even from like a mental capacity or even like an emotional capacity, it's like I want to be less and less engaged my capacity for all the things I want to do or all the people who I want to or should show up for just seems to decrease, 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 decrease. And as someone myself who has struggled with health issues and and someone who struggles with mental health issues, there is this spectrum. And I love that you said that as well. And I think first off, knowing what it feels like to feel your best is one thing. And then having the self-awareness to know when you're starting to slip and things are starting to slide before they get way too far on one side. Um, and I say this, um, those who have been a longtime listener to the show know about I was sick with my breast implants. And if it wasn't for me being in the fitness industry and competing and knowing what it felt like to have my body at peak, not just peak performance, but even six to eight weeks out from a show, like running so optimally because everything was so clean and everything was so centered around my nutrition and my health. If I hadn't known what that felt like, I wouldn't have recognized those initial symptoms coming on of when I started to really get sick. And so Mm -hmm. I think it's cool to have a contrast. And I, I, I see so much value in those days when I was um, struggling with my health a lot. 
but then also having that starting point of like, no, like I know what it feels like to be my best. And even when I'm keeping up the practices that I know that keep, that put me at my best aren't working, then there's something that we need to dig deeper into. And I think a lot of people don't even know what it feels like to be their best to begin with if they haven't. Yeah, I know you're about like to say something there. I was about to say that sometimes when you get so caught up in your life as it is, you don't realize what it could be. And I mean that in the sense that whenever there is, whenever there isn't that huge contrast that you talked about, whenever it's just like a slide into something, uh, for a lot of women in the sisterhood, it's this slide into having a nervous system that is just on fire. Um, because they're, they're stressed to their maximum and they don't even realize it because it was a gentle tiptoeing into that. And that's now their life. It's like the, it's like the frog in boiling water situation, the frog jumps into boiling water. It'll jump right out. But if it, you put it in room temperature water and turn it on, it'll stay in because it's, it's just a hair warmer than it was before and you get used to it. So it's just a hair, not as great as it was before. And you don't realize how far you've come. And for many women, um, it can have, it may have been years and they might not even remember what it was like to feel their best. I mean, for you, I think you have such an amazing, um, experience with, you know, optimizing your health and you remember it it's like hey this this was it yes. and so you have that sort of anchor point uh for every single day and I don't think a lot of women have that yes um I do I'll, I'll say it now before we really get one of the main points in this conversation is having that intention of like knowing what you want your best to feel like and so for myself, I know I feel my best when I am engaged. I love that word that you use. I am engaged, which means I want to show up and do podcasts. I want to show up and, you know, be engaged with my family and have ideas and fun and creative. And I want to be social with my friends and I'm getting ideas for different programs down the line for my business. Like there is such an in uh, an enthusiasm for the future and the life that I am creating. I also know that, you know, I feel good within my body. My gut feels good. My head feels clear. My emotions are calm. My energy is high. I want to go to the gym. I want to eat healthy. There is this high level of operation. And if we don't have those markers of noticing, oh, you know what? Like I I'm not getting my creative downloads anymore. I don't want to see my friend that I have plans with in two days. I'm starting to feel this withdrawal, 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 um, which is something I've actually been through the past couple um, months. So of just feeling myself withdrawal, which was huge signs and symptoms that something was going on. And we're not going to get into this on the, on the show, but when we recognize that we are slipping from our ideal self, this is when we can catch ourselves faster and not let too many things slide, as you said. And I really like to look at my health like a pendulum. And we can have far swings of a pendulum. 
And I've seen myself swing from like a, a weight perspective in the past. It's like you let your weight get so, so far on one side. Maybe you you gain weight. You're not liking your body. You see it. It's so far to one side. And then you get so extreme and you swing to the other side. I like to look at my pendulum now for anything, whether it's health or with my body or just being engaged as very small shifts. So when I notice those small shifts of my pendulum, then it poses me to ask, okay, what has changed here? Or what do I need to do in order to course correct this? And that's kind of how I look at navigating feeling my best. Yeah. It's it's that course correction. It's, Hey, how yes. do we notice those yes. um, slight degree changes so we can get back to our center and that changes from day to day. Like I, I don't want anyone out there to think that your best is some like definitive finite optimum that you can always reach. It is forever changing and shifting. And so, as you mentioned at the start of this podcast, the tools that you need to use in order to get back there are the same. It's all very dynamic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's that recognition and not, um, sacrificing as well. Cause I've watched myself do this in the past where like, I'm not feeling great, but I've maybe got a project on the go or life is quote unquote busy right now. And I'll focus on myself after this, after this, after this. And I see a lot of people do that. They're like, well, after this, then I'll focus on my health. I saw my mom do that for years actually with like, well, when I retire, then I'll go to the gym. Oh my God. Both are mothers. <laughs> when they retire, they're, they're going to do so many things. Yeah. And she's been retired. I love you, mom. Sorry. I know you don't listen to this, but you know, she's been retired for years now and has not been to the gym. And so it's never waiting for like that perfect moment when we can put that focus back onto ourself or um, start improving an area of our life. And especially when it comes to our health or feeling our best, but asking what can we do on a daily basis, those small things. And we're going to talk about this in the episode to keep us at our best or to, to course correct us before we go too far. So yeah, let's dive in. You are listening to the Fulfillment Project Podcast. My name is Sarah Funnel, your host, fellow sister seeker, and author of Follow the Joy, the book on aligned manifestation. This show is your spot for spiritual and personal development. It's your soft landing into a place for you to embody your truth and reclaim your sovereign power. I've been a coach for more than a decade, helping thousands of people transform their lives. And I'll be sharing the most effective and profound tools to help you step into the most abundant, joyful, and fulfilled version of yourself. I'm so glad we found each other here today. My promise to you is that this show will support you to live from a fully embodied and aligned space so that you can reach your goals, share your gifts with the world, and step into a life that is truly your own. Take my hand, dear sister, and let's jump in. Okay, so feeling our best. When I hear this, I immediately go to thinking about the whole self. We've talked about this so much on the podcast. It's in my book. We teach on this in the sisterhood. And the whole self is those five parts, that physical self, that mental self, that emotional self, the spiritual intuitive self, and then how you show up to the world. And so to feel my best, let's break down like the physical, mental, and emotional, because those are the three things that will bring down your state. And that's really what we're talking about here, right? Is like our state of being, how we're feeling in any given moment. And so physical self, I know Greer, you and I could go on for like days about the physical self. It's true. And and honestly, I would actually start there because it's usually the most tangible thing that we can do. And I know for me, 
if I wake up, whether it's a good day or a bad day, I am hydrating. I am getting a liter of water. I am putting electrolytes in it and I am drinking water. This is, this is my PSA. Okay. Everyone, I don't care what kind of day you're having, not the, I don't know who needs to hear this. Everyone needs to hear this. Go drink some water. And that always improves the situation. Um, is, you know, making sure that you're not dehydrated. Step one. Yeah. Um, foundations for physical health. And I think, I think when things become talked about so much, it's almost like we just don't even like hear them anymore. Or sometimes we don't think that they're like as important. You know, you're telling people to drink water. Very simple, very basic, very foundational, but so, so, so important. Well, hence the word foundational. Everything is built off of that. So if you're, you know, there's a reason why we harp on, you know, drink clean water, eat, you know, low processed foods, get outside. It's because these are the pillars of well-being. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I would go as far as saying that the average person is dehydrated with the amount of caffeine or coffee that's in someone's diet, the sugar, the salt, all dehydrating. And are you drinking enough water? And plus stress as well will dehydrate the body. And so the average person living in our modern world, and this is even me as well, though, you know, and Greer, you people who focus on their health and who make it a priority need to put water at the forefront of our day just because of the world that we live in. I I would also say that, you know, and, and it's, it's that awareness piece, I think, that is so key. Pay attention to the little signs that your body is giving you that it needs something. Um, that slight headache is probably not a caffeine headache. You, you might just need water. Or if you're feeling foggy, you may also need water. And also, if you're not feeling your best, pay attention to what foods you gravitate towards. Um, I know for me, if I'm really, really tired, I want sweet things. I want sugar. And that doesn't mean when I say pay attention, it doesn't mean immediately go eat whatever it is you're craving. Understand what it is that food is going to give you. Is it a comfort food? Is it going to give you instant energy because it's got a lot of glucose in it? What is it that your body is searching for? And then figure out how to get that in a way that is appropriate for you on that day. Yes. Yes. And I love that you bring in that self-awareness piece. I think the the most valuable thing someone can do for their, their health is study their own body because we are all so different. And one of the gifts from being very sick and, you know, Greer, who you mentioned, you struggle with health issues as well. And I'm going to assume you'll agree with this is the the way you put your body under a microscope when you're not feeling well, when there is something chronic happening and getting to understand your body. And as you, I know, have your own food intolerances and and things that you can and cannot eat myself as well. One of the most valuable things I think people can go and do is go work with a holistic nutritionist or a dietitian or a naturopath or someone who will do food intolerance testing with you. Know like what foods work for your body and what don't. There are people who, you know, tomatoes will cause some inflammation and they won't feel well. For myself, eggs, you know, I can't have eggs. Greer, you can't touch nuts and seeds. And, you know, there's all these things that are labeled as quote unquote healthy, but they're not necessarily healthy or uh, and 
give vitality to another person. Absolutely. So if you were to pick, I'm assuming you agree with me, but if you just want to make sure I've covered all the bases of like physical well-being. Yes. Yes. Water, proper food. And we're not even talking about like dieting here. We're not even talking about like restricting things, but just look at like how, what are the nourishing foods that you're getting into your body? Are you eating foods that work for your body? Are you listening to your body? Um, and then movement as well before we move on. Movement of the physical yeah. body. Um, even if it's getting outside for a walk. Putting your physical body in sunlight, getting that vitamin D. That vitamin D absorbs through the skin. And so if you're not outside under that sunlight, you're not absorbing that. And so I think just allowing your physical body, the rest, the nourishment, the movement that it craves from a foundational perspective is so imperative for feeling our best. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Well, we say movement, it doesn't mean go to the gym for two hours and, you know, stress yourself out even more it means doing what your body wants to its tolerance level and working with it, yeah. not against it. Yes. And there's that self-awareness piece as well. It's asking yourself, well, what does my body need today? I think that's such a great question. And I didn't ask myself that question until I started having health issues and there were things I wanted to do but couldn't. And I had to ask, well, so what would be best for my body today? Because I think sometimes we get in such a very like linear, rigid, scheduled type of thinking where it's like, well, I go to the gym at 9 a.m. every morning and I lift weights and do 20 minutes of cardio. Well, maybe that's not what your body needs today. <laughs> maybe you need to like listen to how it's feeling and how those muscles and how those joints are feeling. And maybe it's some light movement. Maybe it's yoga. Maybe it's going for a walk. Maybe it's some stretching. Maybe it's some body weight movement. Like lean into that. And this is where we need to step out of that that structured thinking. I can't, I can't think of the word that I'm trying to think of to describe this. Um, but stop listening to all the outside noise coming in to like, you need to do this for like weight loss or like this to build muscle, but start asking yourself, like, what do I need in this moment to feel my best? And maybe it goes outside the box of what other people are teaching you or the things that you're hearing on podcasts or reading or so forth. I, I value us being in the day. At, well, we're, I think we're past the age of information. Now we're information overloaded. And sometimes we get stuck on pieces of information thinking like, this is the Holy grail. And this is what I need to do every day until I die, as opposed to learning and working with different tools and different modalities in these different areas and asking ourselves, well, what is best for me right now? Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. I would say on a day when you're not feeling your best, uh, that's not a day where you want to exercise your willpower and your mental control over your body. Um, you know, the, the people who say no rest days, please, please do take a rest day and do what your body can tolerate. The mental self, our mind, our mental self, uh, so important. Um, and I will jump in here and say that the physical, mental and emotional self are all tied together. Like, hello, if our physical self is sick, not feeling well, our mental state is not good. Our emotional self might not be so patient. So, yeah, I know. I know we're talking about them as distinct entities, but they're all interconnected. So interconnected. And so I know if my physical health is down, my mental self is just not great. And so that's why I love talking about the physical self first, because it's so foundational. I love that you said there, like, sometimes if you're not feeling your best, you don't know what to do. Like, just nourish that physical body. 
because it can, you know, breathe life into the other areas of ourselves. And so our mental self, our thoughts, how we think, how we view the world, how we view ourselves, I think it's so important to nourish our mind with, I'm going to say positivity. And I don't mean that in like over toxic positivity with yourself if you're not feeling good, but just be mindful of what you're intaking if you're not feeling good. As a personal example, um, my mental health has been a little strained the past couple months. And so I've been very careful on what TV shows I'm watching. I'm not watching violence. I'm not watching depressing shows. I'm not watching things that are going to bring that mood down further. Careful like who you're listening to, the type of music that you're intaking. All of that dictates the thoughts that you think and, and that view that we have on the world. And so it's important to be careful of what you're feeding your mind and ensure that you're giving it uplifting things when you're not feeling your best. So you would not recommend psychological thrillers and serial killer documentaries when you're not feeling your best? Probably not. No. And it's kind of like one of those things. I remember when I was younger, when you go through like a breakup, we've talked about this girl, you go through a breakup and you're like, I'm just going to play that sad song over and over and over again. I want to see where it hurts. I want to see where it hurts. Yes. And so it's, it's having that emotion, that uh, mental awareness where you're like, okay, I'm not feeling my best today. Maybe my thoughts are not in the most positive direction. How can I feed my mind with positivity to help bring that up and ensure that I'm breathing maybe some positive personal development or positive spirituality, um, bringing in your faith for feeling better. There's so many tools that we can grab onto and resources, whether that's videos or courses or podcasts or music um, that we can listen to to help bring up our mental space. Yeah. And even if you can't go from, I feel really negative to, I'm going to do things that are really positive, go for neutrality. Oh, like yes. Maybe you can't listen to the happiest, most uplifting song, but maybe you can listen to just like ambient music or music that doesn't have lyrics. Maybe you don't want to listen to watch a really, really happy, uplifting, feel good movie, but can you watch one that just isn't going to make things worse? Absolutely. Um, I know for me, I love reading. Um, so on on good days, bad days, and every day in between, I am reading. And most often, the book that I will choose, maybe I'm, maybe it's not emotion. It doesn't evoke a lot of emotions. Maybe I'm reading, um, I'm reading about psychology. I'm reading about something that's fairly neutral, and that way, I'm not necessarily moving the emotional dial one way or another I'm just giving myself a break yes yes and I can yeah yeah I like that you said the break and I've talked about this a few times on the show um, if we're not feeling our best or if we don't have our full capacity there be careful how much you're feeding your mind in terms of like learning as well of like putting that pressure on the mind to like intake and learn and problem solve and make decisions because that can bring down our mental state as well if we're feeling overcapacitated or we're just not feeling our best uh, mentally. Yeah. I mean, like maybe don't read a textbook, like do, do read something for fun. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. yes. Um, and I also, um, I know you're going to talk about breath work. I would just like to briefly mention meditation yeah. because that's something that I have really gravitated towards and it doesn't look like me sitting on a pillow for an hour 
with like with my eyes closed. That's not how I meditate. I have tried it in the past. It it's exhausting for me when I I really don't have that mental capacity. Maybe it's just a minute or two, and I'm not going to a meditation pillow. I'm just turning off my computer. I'm turning off my phone. I'm closing my eyes, and for just you know a couple moments, just breathe and relax, and maybe do that every hour or so. It, it, you, you don't have to, I always had it in my head that, okay, if I'm going to meditate, I need to block out like an hour and a half. I need to do it every single day. And it has to look a certain way. It, it doesn't. And, and I think Sarah and I have really tried to explain like, Hey, this is really individual to do. And we are sharing tips and tricks. Um, but what works for you might not work for someone else, might not work for us. I know for me, these like one to five minute meditations have been so helpful. Yeah. And just that permission to like pause for a second. Um, I know a past version of myself, if I wasn't feeling good, I almost felt this like frantic need to like do something to make myself feel better. Like there's nothing wrong with like going to the gym or doing this or things that we do, but even just like stopping and just allowing yourself to sit, be in silence, close your eyes, look at that darkness, look at that expansiveness for 60 seconds. 60 seconds is a long time when you don't have distractions. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. And that, that meditative. Those, those 60 seconds are uncomfortable when you first start. They can be. Yes. Um, and how meditation works is on the brainwave level. And so just stopping for those 60 seconds and taking a couple deep breaths. And you don't even have to focus on clearing your mind, but just focus on like the nothingness. When I have a busy mind um, and I even just close my eyes and I'm like, I'm staring at darkness. I'm staring at nothingness. And just slowing down those thoughts can be so helpful and so calming. Yes. Um, and and you're, you do breath work. I do. It's I like love one of your big things. I love breath work. I find it both meditative and um, um, relaxing. I mean, meditation is relaxing. Um, breath work isn't labeled as a meditation, but I find it very meditative where I can clear my thoughts. So breath work works, and we could have mentioned this with the physical self. It works on the nervous system um, side of things. And so breath work, if we're feeling stressed, like if you're stressed and not feeling your best, breath work and just stopping, like, uh, you know, Greer said here for 60 seconds and just take a couple deep, long breaths in and out. And when you control your breath, you control your heart rate. And when you control your heart rate, you control your stress levels. And so... A lot of times when we're not feeling our best, we're sometimes stressed out about something or our mind is just going a mile a minute or maybe our bodies are tired. So I find breath work works on so many levels of ourself to self-regulate, to hit that reset on ourselves and create that calmness um, within ourselves. So breath work is fantastic and there is so many different types of breath work to do. Um, if someone's just new to breath work, just those slow inhales and exhales. Even if you count like four seconds in and four seconds out and just keep doing that. Put a timer on for 60 seconds and just do that. And you will watch your state change and bring yourself back to um, a place of neutrality. I love that you used that word earlier. Yes. Um, our emotional self. Now our emotions 
can be high, our emotions can be low, our emotions can be neutral. We are very emotional beings. Our thoughts control our emotions and our emotions control our thoughts. They're so intertwined there. And so if you're feeling overly emotional, Greer, what are some of the things that are beneficial for you or to regulate yourself emotionally? So for me, if I'm having, if I'm really, really tired, I actually find it a bit of a challenge to emotionally regulate. I can be very reactive because I'm not okay inside. And so I'm just hypersensitive to everything around me. Um, And so usually I'm looking for that emotional feeling of safety and security. And I like the word like cozy. So how that usually manifests for me is that um, my sort of emotional regulation looks like blankets and books and warm tea and candles um, and just taking space to not necessarily judge my emotions, um, but to give them room to be and to support myself as I go through them. I think having a good group of friends or that safe space to be able to speak about how you're feeling is very important um, to not suppress how you're feeling. If you feel there's something that needs to be spoken or you need to get something out, let someone know how you're feeling. I think it's important to do that. And I say that as someone who suppresses and represses very easily, um, something I've learned not to do over the years. And it's been one of my biggest growth areas of expressing how I feel and just honoring how I feel and not trying to run away from how I feel in any given moment, I think is so powerful. Um, Because when we try to suppress, we know that those things will just rear their ugly head even more. I was just saying, and also, you know, not turning away from help. Mm-hmm. I've, I've said this before that, you know, human beings are wired for connection and companionship and we genuinely want to help one another. So if you have friends, um, family, a spouse who is able and willing to support you through this, let them in. Yes. Um, one of the things that really helped me with my emotional self, uh, and regulation and feeling my best in that process was broadening my vocabulary of emotions, broadening my understanding of each emotions. And there's a fantastic app called Mood Meter. I think it's like a $1.99 flat fee that you pay and it's totally worth it. It might even be 99 cents where it gives you, I think it's like a hundred different emotions. And they're also grouped, they're in like categories. So you pick a square that gives like three different emotions that how you might be feeling. And so sometimes if we're not feeling our best, we're like, well, what is that? Sometimes we don't recognize that we're irritated or that we're impatient. And when we can learn to label those emotions better, we can ask ourselves deeper questions of like, okay, so why am I irritated? What was I just doing? Or, you know, what was that that triggered that emotion? And when we can broaden our emotional vocabulary, then we can understand exactly maybe why we're feeling the way that we're feeling and help ourselves out of that. So mood meter is great. Joe and I used that for months. We also took all of those emotions one time. We put them each on a sticky pad on the island in our kitchen for quite a few weeks. And even with the kids, we were like, how do you feel right now? And the kids had to point out like how they felt on any given moment. And we talk about those emotions because I think sometimes we're like, I feel good. I feel bad. And it's like, I feel sad, I feel happy. 
well, there's it's one or the other. <laughs> yes. And it's so black and white. Whereas I think if we can understand like, oh, I feel, I feel calm. I feel neutral. I think, well, we can understand. And then, and sorry, I'm going to digress into that mood meter because I was talking about that. So what the mood meter does is it allows you to identify how you feel. It asks you, what were you just doing? So you can have some awareness into how maybe something that triggered that emotion, whether that's quote unquote good or bad. And then it asks you, do you want to stay or do you want to shift this emotion? Which I think is so powerful because sometimes we don't think that we have the ability to want to shift. And also with the mood meter, it'll show you what those moods are just above the mood that you're in. And so sometimes if we're feeling apathy or despair, we're down deep. We don't want to reach for like joy and elation and excitement. It's just such a far jump. And I think, I, I speaking for myself, sometimes I would stay down in those lower emotions far too long because I'm like, well, I can't feel excited and happy about my life right now. So I'm just going to feel this. Whereas if we know like, oh, contentment, oh, okay, well, what would make me feel content right now? And we can climb that emotional ladder a lot more quickly and with more ease if we're feeling in those lower emotional states. So mood meter, everyone go and download it right now. I have zero affiliation with them. It's fantastic. Joe, I recommend it to everybody. Yeah. I mean, that was one of the things you also uh, teach in the sisterhood. It's like, get this app. <laughs> get the app, learn about your emotions. And, you know, because Greer and I started off this conversation with talking about building that awareness around yourself. And so when you can recognize, okay, is it my physical self that needs a little help here? Is it where my thoughts are directed and my mental self? Is it my emotional self? Do I need to work with all of them? This is where we actually gain the power to shift our state at any time. And I really feel that that's empowering for us to be able to show up and create the life that we want, or at least be able to recognize the state that we're in own the state we're, that we're in and have the tools to be able to comfort us in that state and help us move past it. I love that um, acceptance piece mm. of have the awareness to understand where we're at, accept where we're at, and then choose what to do about that and sort of releasing um judgment and strict expectations of who we need to be, what we need to be doing, how we need to feel. Oh my God. Amen. So key. I think that that puts a lot of pressure on us of like, I need to be this person or I need to show up like this or people expect this of me. And it puts so much extra pressure on ourselves to have to feel better right away or perform better right away. Whereas if we can accept where we are and have the tools to be able to help us shift in our own time, in our own space, then we're on our own journey for ourselves. Yeah. And if anyone listening has, you know, practices that they use that they find really helpful, like let us know. We're, we're always looking for tools to add to our toolbox. Yes. Yes. And I mean, this is why we run the sisterhood. Like, you know, Greer and I are not the experts above everyone in there. It's like we come together as women sharing our tools and sharing our knowledge along with the other women in there, uh, sharing their experience as well. And we just all, we grow together. And it's beautiful. It's so beautiful. <laughs> that was a great conversation. I love that. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's funny because my group of girlfriends and, you know, Greer, our conversations always start with like, how are you feeling? How are you doing? How's life? And 
being able to express how we're feeling is so key and having the emotional awareness through everything that we talked about here allows us to show up as our authentic self for those around us. And I think that's one of the most liberating things that I've experienced in my life is having the acceptance and then also having the language and the self-awareness to be able to express where I'm at to those around me and not feeling like I have to hide parts of myself or hide how I'm feeling or hide the states that I'm in. Um, it's just, I'm so blessed. I'm so blessed to have you, Griff. So blessed. <laughs> Wonderful. Anything you want to uh, say to round out this conversation today? No, no, I think that's everything for me. Wonderful. Thank you for everybody joining and listening. If you want to support us here on the Fulfillment Project podcast, we would love for you to rate and give a review. You just swipe up um, if you're listening here on Apple iTunes and give us a review. And then you can always reach out to Greer and I on Instagram. Take a screenshot of this. Tag us. Um, you will find our handles in the show notes. And we will see you next time. Bye.